This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is immune to all forms of psychological bias and has self-selected a few bits of research to prove just that. Oh, God. I'm Andrew really? Page. I know. And with me is Scott Phillips. Good Andrew. Good Phillips. We've started off with the nerdiest of nerdy jokes. Tell me there's a reason for Mate, it. Mate, we're going to get very nerdy this week. And oh, the reason that, is... That switching sending here is people turning off. Oh, fast forward. How do I get to the next one? <laughs> Don't do that, <laughs> because... Uh, we will make it interesting, I promise. For our fellow nerds out there, we are celebrating the fact that uh, the latest Nobel laureate for economics is a guy that we greatly admire and has done some great work in the field of behavioural finance. So we'll talk a bit about him and Fake why news. his work matters. Fake news, I'll tell you why in a minute. We keep trying to get away from certain topics, Scott, but there are some that keep coming back, and uh, this week it's Bitcoin. Uh, oh, no. We had a really interesting story throughout the week. Um, some poor sod has put <laughs> sold his house and put everything into Bitcoin. And we're just going to talk about just how sensible or otherwise that might be. And whether Paul will be the operative word. That is exactly right. And is it too good to be true? Is there easy money to be made in the mantra takeover? So we'll talk a little bit about what's happened there and whether or not there is free money lying on the ground for you to be able to take. Short answer. No, there's not. Uh, and Scott, you're going to get on your high horse. Indeed I will. Full saddle up. Full sound effects again? Cowboy hat, spurs the whole lot. Excellent. Now, mate, tell me a little bit about a gentleman called Richard Thaler. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Hit me. You know what he's not? What isn't he? He's not the Nobel Laureate for Economics. Oh. Oh. What did I get wrong? What do you get? What do you... <laughs> is it I... too late to start again? No, it's not too late to start again. Okay. Here's the thing. There is no Nobel Prize for Economics. What do you win the prize you know for that? then? No, I didn't. So there is an economics prize given in concert with the Nobel Prizes. But the economics prize oh, is not officially right. a Nobel that is Prize. Right. Yes, yes. There you go. Um, and we, it's, so we've already started on the nerdiest. Sorry, nerdiest I remember it. It's better from here. And um, it, there's a bit of a checkered history there as well, because there are past winners of that prize who have gone on to blow up vast sums of money. Uh, well, unlike Alfred Nobel, who blew up large things. Is exactly right. That's right. He was so guilty about what he did. He founded a prize for peace and science and medicine, all sorts of good so, stuff. So, some good out of some bad. But you asked me about Richard We're Thaler. getting way <laughs> off topic here, and we've only just started. Indeed. What a terrible start. Mate, I, I don't me. know about that. I think I think most of our listeners think, oh, they're on topic. That's impressive. That's unusual. <laughs> That's unusual. So here's the thing. Richard Thaler is the, I was going to say the father of behavioral economics, but he's not really. No. So you might have heard of, or you certainly heard, and listeners have probably heard of Danny Kahneman yep. and Amos Tversky. Now, yep. those guys were, believe it or not, psychologists yeah. who stumbled across what was now known as behavioral psychology. Mm. And basically what they kind of stumbled on was the way we make decisions. And really they gave lie to the very supposition that we all had previous to that, that humans were rational beings. Mm. Now, Richard Thaler has taken that and, and kind of Tversky and Kahneman took us close enough. Thaler's picked that up and run with it. They've got some great books. And he's turned it into, into behavioral finance. Mm. And this is where for us as investors, it's a really, really important thing. Thaler basically said, like that research from Kahneman and Tversky, we're not rational beings. And so there are things A, you should be aware of, mm. and B, most importantly, things you can do mm. to stop the... Our, our monkey brains, our reptilian brains, those mm. parts of our brains that don't let us make good decisions. Mm. And he's won a Nobel Prize for it, which is pretty bloody impressive. It's it's such fascinating. It's one of those things that is really obvious when you hear about it. It's like, who on God's green earth thinks that humans are rational in any kind of sphere, <laughs> let alone economics and finance? I've seen reality television, mate. I can tell you for a fact there is no it's rationality just not in humanity. There. But, it, but having said that, for you know 100 years plus, that was always been the assumption. This is what a rational economic agent would do. Therefore, this is how the, the economic system should function, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just not so. So, now, well, luckily for our readers, our listeners, I should say, this is not going to be my rant, so I won't spend long on it. Mm. But this is the folly of economics. 
starts with the assumption that everybody is rational mm -hmm. and nothing else changes. So if you start with that, the old ceteris paribus, to use the Latin, all else being equal, and they say, well, if all else is equal, this will happen. So, yes, that's true, mm -hmm. but all else is never equal. And, and the fiction that was portrayed for literally decades, probably over a century, was let's assume everything's rational, everything else is equal, mm -hmm. and then to work out what would happen, because mm -hmm. it fits mathematical models really, really well. Oh, nicely. it's great, yes. And it wasn't until Kahneman, Tversky, firstly, and then Thaler, most specifically, recently, have taken that and really run with it to bring it to light and give us some tools and some ways to not even avoid it, but, but try and manage it and try and deal with it the best way we can. And there are some really cool um, experiments that they've done. Some very poor, unfortunate graduate students uh, in, in various laboratories around the world <laughs> being subject to all kinds of funny kinds of tests, which just sort of, you know, um, conclusively shows just the irrationality of humans that are out there. I want to tell you a story, mate. The, um, there are a whole, there's, this has been done many, many, many times. So I'll talk about the, the, um, the apocryphal version, but mm -hmm. the, the reality is behind it. Students of behavioral finance, behavioral psychology, go to a, go to a class. Mm -hmm. They are told at that lesson yeah. about the, the vice of anchoring. Yeah. They are told that what will happen is if, you, if, you, if I give you a number, mm. once that number's in your head, you can't get away from it. No matter how, I, I, they spent the entire lecture telling this was going to happen. Yep. Then they said, write down your phone number. Write down the last two digits of your phone number. version I heard was your social security number, but same kind same of thing. Same thing. Yep. work with me yep. here. Yep. Um, write, write down your phone, last couple of digits of your phone number, then pick a number between one and a hundred. And... <laughs> Inevitably, the number was closer, depending on how high or low your number was, the number you chose was higher or lower to that number, even though you were asked to pick a random number. And even though you were told, hey, there's this thing called anchoring and this is what it happened. These are uni students who just spent the entire lesson being taught to avoid this and then they did exactly that when they were asked, even though they knew, they, they, they rationally knew it. They knew it. Mate, but I, the, the, the monkey brain, the reptilian brain doesn't let us escape that unless we forcibly make it. Mate, I can totally empathize with that. I've, I've been a big fan of this for a long time. I am very well aware of a number of biases. We'll go through a few in a All moment. Right, so give, us your, give us your bank account well, number now, and we'll see if we can get No? Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I don't have a bank account, mate. It's all in Bitcoin. That's, it's all in a virtual wallet. <laughs> oh, there we go. We'll get there in a minute. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but it, it, it is. There, I'll go through, we'll go through some of our favorite ones, or yeah. least favorite ones, depending on your perspective. <laughs> and you just, I'm so overtly aware of them, and yet I, it, is, it is a daily struggle to... Do not fall prey to them. And I think that's the, just quickly before we do go into it, that is the key, right? As an investor, the, the key is not to, to, I mean, we should try and avoid them, yeah. but the success is not avoiding them altogether because you're never going to. And that's, you know, many, many people in the industry try and promise perfection. They promise conviction. They promise, you know, the, 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 the more certain you sound, the easier it is to sell your product. Yeah, totally. As an investor, that's just a highway to hell because once you make a mistake, you feel like the whole game's over. Yeah. So what we do is basically say, we know these biases exist. We know we'll fall victim to them. Mm. Let's try and do it as infrequently as possible and to the least extent possible. Mm. And that's success. If you try yeah. for a 100 and zero result, you are going to come a cropper. And frankly, you'll probably give up. It's recognizing, you know what, like those uni students, we are going to fall victim from time to time. Mm -hmm. Recognizing, being aware of it, managing for it, those are things yeah, that help. Yeah, and planning for it, having systems in place to deal right, with it. Right, right. With that in mind, Mr. Phillips... What is the your favourite slash... I know I'm in trouble when you call me Mr. Phillips. I know I'm about to, about to cop something. <laughs> That's right. Play mum. Well, it's like I use your yeah, middle name. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Scott Robert Phillips, oh, what are you doing? jeez. Sorry. Ma mate, um, yes, what's, mate, what's your favourite slash least favourite um, <laughs> uh, uh, behavioural bias? The one I think I am... I'll pick, I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick the least common of the two, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, one I particularly like, or would like to think about, is recency bias. Oh yeah, that's and that's kind of not yeah. so far from the anchoring stuff we talked about before. And that is, people are most likely to assume the most recent past is representative of the future. Right. 
And it's kind of to, one of my favorite phrases around this one. You've heard this many, many times. Is that generals tend to fight the last war? Yep. Great. Now, scene. if you ask if you ask some generals in 1922 mm-hmm. how to fight a war, yep, they would talk about their experience in World War One, and they would they would improvise and improve that. Yep. World War Two comes along; it's all, it's all very different. Like, yeah. Oh shit! Okay, better change that. Yeah. Out of World War Two, they had a really specific way they were going to fight the war. Next time it happens, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. You end up in Vietnam with the guerrilla war, yep. and so things change, and and generals tend to fight the last war because that's their most recent experience. You try and perfect the past rather than looking forward to the future. And it's so applicable to markets because what will happen, and the most recent sort of you know um, disaster, I suppose, obviously the GFC. Yep. We look at that. We've, we've lived through that. We have that experience. So we look through that lens and, and we, we expect yep. that the next disaster will look very much like the last. People have spent the last decade looking for the next GFC. Yep. When the GFC happened, people were looking for the next Asian financial crisis. Yep. When that happened, they were looking for the next dot-com bust. When that happened, they were looking for the next 87 crash. Yeah. None of those were, you know, there are, there are similarities. History rhymes, but it doesn't repeat, as, right. as the famous right. So saying, there's some though, similarities but... in terms of the causes. Sure. But if you're looking for the next housing subprime meltdown sovereign debt crisis, mm. it's very, very unlikely that's the cause of the next one. What about I, you? I tell you what I am a sucker for yes? is um, confirmation bias. I agree. So I We did a boomtish sound effect. We did. Hey, Liam. Liam. There's, we, there's your project for the week. I'll work on it. <laughs> He says as he rolls his eyes. Yeah, that, that's code for listeners. You'll thank me for it later. I have no intention of doing that whatsoever. <laughs> that's right. I'll encourage them. So, so confirmation bias is, and this happens uh, in politics, perhaps even more so than finance, mm. but it, it's this idea that we seek out information that reinforces our existing belief. Mm-hmm. So let's say, uh, as an example... <laughs> Hypothetically, I, if you thought housing was expensive. If some guy thought that housing was a little unreasonable <laughs> at the moment... And I'm scanning the newspapers and I see an article saying, housing's really expensive. Yep. I am going to look at that. I am going to read it. I am going to quote it. I'm going to forward it to all my mates. I see another article the same day that says, eh, actually, not too bad. And here's a bunch of reasons why you don't need to worry. Immediately, I poo-poo that. I put it away. And it is insane. All it does is you, you, you will, especially in this information age that we live in, mm-hmm. you will find whatever evidence is necessary to support your crazy theory. A mate of ours in the office the other day was talking about the Flat Earth Society, you know? And again, if you want to jump onto the web, you will find, quote unquote, right, evidence right, right. that the world is flat. You will find it. It is there. And and it is really, really, really dangerous. I would say as an investor, one of the things I really try to do is I don't... If, if you and I both like uh, Blackmores, for example... Yep. Um, you're the worst person to talk to. I, I don't want to talk Thanks, to you Dick. because, well, we're just we're just gonna say <laughs> right, how smart right, we right. are. You know, right. I need to find the guy who hates it, and I need to talk to him about it because that is where I'm going to learn. That's where I'm going to probe my own thinking, and that's where I'm potentially going to avoid a disaster. Right. Two quick thoughts. One is a quick tangent. Mm-hmm. My favourite thing in recent times has been Twitter went from square. Uh, images to round images. Oh, yeah. And so the Flat Earth Society's logo went from square to round. Oh, just brilliant. brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> so, that, that was just kind of generally fun. <laughs> it, but speaking of house prices, and this is interesting, we have a, we have a Skype chat amongst the guys at work, as, as you well know, yep. mate. And to your point, the articles that we tend to share with each other on house prices are almost <laughs> always the ones that confirm our pre-existing, see, I told you, see, I told you, right through the spectrum, everyone from house prices are horribly overvalued to it's not a problem and everywhere in between. Yeah. The ones, we, we, that's not always the case. We, do, we are reasonably fair. But I would say if you stacked up our views on house prices and, and the next move for housing and the articles that we share... It's a pretty bloody good. It is a very dangerous echo chamber. We're very well aware of it. You know, we, we in the, and I guess the, the take home message is here is seek out the counter view, go in with an open mind. Doesn't mean you you have to flip flop every time you see a counter a, 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 a point of view that is different from right, yours, right. but take it seriously and consider it. And because you, you know the market is not about 
you know, preserving one's ego. It, it's about trying <laughs> to build wealth. And, and, you know, that kind of thing is just going to be a big snag in the works. I'm going to do one more bias very quickly. And is... Oh, just one more. We've got so many. All right. We can do more if okay. you want. We can oh. do more if you want. Liam will wrap us up when we run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> when this podcast stops halfway through, you know, Liam's lost interest and just turns it off. Uh, anchoring. So Ooh, anchoring yeah. is the tendency to basically take either a past or occasionally a future arbitrary point mm. and say, that's how I'm going to consider and compare my outcomes. It's the one I see the most right. when I'm speaking to other investors. And when the shares them. get back to the price I paid, I'm going to sell. Yeah. As soon as those shares get to $2, I'm going to sell. Yeah. Why $2? When I've doubled well, my money, that's, that's what I paid. I'm going to sell. Yeah. If I lose more than 10% of my money, I'm going to sell. Yep. Those arbitrary numbers are completely and totally irrelevant. They're useless for anybody who's considering their financial reality their financial expectations mm. shares don't know what price you paid there is no magic or otherwise frankly market doesn't know in a round number or a, a yeah. price you paid the price you want to sell if i double my money i'll sell all that kind of crap yeah and it just makes you do bad things yeah if you double your money in investing you go, oh, i've done my money great i'll sell mm. well, what, what, why, why? Yeah. you know if the shares then half or double after that that's the one you want to yeah. if it's going to double again why would you sell yeah. it's going to go half of course you would sell but neither of those depend on whether or not you hit 100 percent gain yeah or 95 105 percent yeah it's just arbitrary anchoring. We set these things in our minds. And again, this is... Well, it works. I just quickly... It works on, yeah. the other way as well for people who haven't bought. So you think, yes, oh, I yes, really yes. want to buy XYZ. Uh, oh, it's gone up 50% since I last looked right, at right. it. So therefore, I can't buy it because I'm anchoring on this irrelevant price from the <laughs> or, past. Or the flip side, by the way, we have, we have half our members who don't buy our recommendations say, it's already gone up. I'm just too late to buy now. Yep. The other ones say, it's going down. Why would I buy it when it's falling? You're right. Um, I, they, and they're both wrong. Yep. There is no value in that anchoring. Um, well, they might be right, but right for the wrong for reasons. The wrong reasons yeah. Exactly, and and, that, and that's the key story. So, you know, looking back, it, it, and this, this thing about biases, right? We're not criticizing or condemning anyone for having these biases or, or, or being susceptible to them. Oh, you're a little psychopathic if you don't have right, any, yeah, any exactly. biases. This is this is the, this is the result of evolution. Yeah, so you've, you've got them. We've all got them. We're not yeah. trying to say you're bad if you think this way, or we are saying you're wrong, by the way, but not in a judgmental way. Yeah. Our aim here is to highlight these. Richard Thaler won his, his prize. And that's these are the sorts of reasons why, once you know these things, you can get a better handle on how and what you do. Can I do one more? One more. Hindsight bias. Hindsight bias. I knew hindsight, you were going to say that. Hindsight bias is something hey, hey, that... I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> ah, hey, sorry, hey, I nearly, I nearly I missed that. Yep. Um, so <laughs> that's hind- my best line of the day, Hindsight mate. bias is one of those things that just really gets my goat uh, in, in the markets. Because <laughs> there is there is always a Harry Hindsight out there that will tell you after the fact that they knew X, Y, and Z was going to happen. <laughs> Funnily enough, they didn't necessarily take a position that would have made them profit on they that. They knew it was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. And and it, it's it's just really, really delusional. And, and I, I kind of think... It, it's one of those things, things look a lot more obvious in, in hindsight than they do. Mm. Let's look at the GFC, for example. Mm. We brought that up before. Now, you talk to anyone, and I mean anyone today, and they will <laughs> yeah, say, oh, it right. is so obvious. Of course it was going to happen. Of course. Look at the debt levels, these resetting mortgage rates and blah, 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 all of the kind of stuff that we all know well, and it is yep. perfectly obvious, perfectly uh, understandable. But but almost by definition, it wasn't at the time. If yep. it was, it never would have happened. Uh, not only that, I knew, to your point about the resetting mortgages, right? I remember during, it must have been 2008, Eight early, I suppose, listening to a radio program on exactly this thing. Yeah, just the R, R mortgages, right? Right. Um, yeah, adjustable resettable mortgage, whatever they're called. Anyway, and the rates were going to go up. This, they, this was this was known. I listened yeah. to a, I listened to a radio broadcast or a podcast, probably not a podcast back then. It would have been yeah. on radio probably about it. Heard the program, went, that's interesting. I wonder if that'll cause any problems. Mm. Now, of course, it caused the GFC, right? Had I been a little more prescient at the time, I would might have realised mm. the facts were out there. No one, including the greats, yeah. were getting out of investments. You can't. You couldn't have known. 
Oh, well, you certainly know, you know what? And there's a whole bunch of other biases at play there as well. Right, right. You know, as, as to why that was the case. There's one of those ones that's like a social proof. If every expert <laughs> under the sun is saying, don't worry about it, yeah. and the biggest and brightest fund managers out there are all buying it, the investment banks are like, well, not everyone is going to be, not, not everyone can be that wrong. Ergo, <laughs> it's not something to worry about. Right. And the one guy who sort of picked it from you know, the movie of The Big Short, you know, is, is, the, is the crazy um, you know, dude. Uh, in, in, yeah, I'm trying to use my words collectively, uh, sensibly here, okay. who, who, who just looks like a nut job at the time. <laughs> When I said move on, that was to avoid you saying that job. Oh, it could have been worse. Okay. Uh, so, look, we will talk about, a bit more about Richard Thaler, I think, in, in, in the future. His, his best-known book is called Nudge. Um, the UK has a nudge unit, uh, famously in the UK government. There are things that people and governments and policymakers can do to help save us from ourselves, and yep. that's probably worthwhile. Overcoming these biases is normally about doing something around putting a pre-commitment device mm. in, in place to mm. avoid these sort of mistakes. Oh, that is an interesting We'll talk about that another day. We will come back to that. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Bitcoin again. I think we've made it, I'll use, ridiculously clear. (laughs) You know. uh, There's two good reasons why we want to talk about Bitcoin though, mate. The first is it's hit $5,000. The second is some... What did you just show you? Courageous. Let, bold. In the, in the words of the US Minister, let's call it a courageous decision. Yes. To, to sell everything he owns, yeah. move to a campsite, yep. pay out on all the Bitcoin, yep. and then, hey, just wait. And then... The rest will take care of itself. Yeah. His millionaire status is confirmed. All he has to do is sit in the tent and wait for the phone call. Here's the thing. That, now, now we, we can sort of laugh and say, geez, that's a little bit risky mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. But there's kind of stuff like that to lesser degrees, perhaps, happens all the time. Mm. But what will statistically inevitably happen mm. is that there'll be plenty of dudes that do this and then make a gazillion dollars. They told you. It, and, and it becomes this sort of... Confirmation bias, I, It is confirmation hindsight bias. bias. It is it's hindsight bias. Yep. It, yep. Is, it is all of those kinds of things yep. where you say... And I've... Look, I've done it to... There was a mate um, uh, of mine, no names, mentioned... Last year, he came up and said, oh, I've got this really hot tip. It was a a speculative mining company. Never made any after this, yeah? No, well, um, and, you know, anyway, I won't go. It was just, it was everything about this investment (laughs) was a disaster. And I really like the guy. He's like, mate, just don't. Like, honestly, there is so many things that could go wrong. For this to go right, you know, it is one in a million. So... You can guess what happened, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it went from 0.1 of a cent up to 50 cents, and he just made a billion dollars. <laughs> so, you know, next time I catch up with him, he's like, yeah, good advice. And, and, and what do you say in response to that? It's like, well, yeah, I, I clearly got it wrong. But it's that it's that fuzzy logic. It's like the, the guy who goes into the casino, puts it all on black and wins, and therefore says, you know, ergo, that was an eminently sensible thing to do. Yeah. And, and you are going to get a lot of stuff like that. It, it, it is one of the biggest dangers that we see in investing the worst thing that can happen to a new investor is that they make really, really good returns in their first year. <laughs> yeah, now, totally. that sounds really counterintuitive. I mean, isn't that what you want to do? Isn't that the kind of experience you want to sort of get you started on your investment journey, to pique your interest, to have a good experience, to reinforce that activity? The trouble is, if you've been right, but right for the wrong reasons, yeah. it, it all... It, if you get play Russian roulette, you probably play it five times out of six, and you'll be perfectly fine. But it's See? not a smart thing to do. If you play, <laughs> keep playing it. You do the probability on it. So okay, you, you know, one, one roll of the chamber, uh, odds are in your favour. Do it twice, 
odds don't look so good. Uh, number three times. After you've done Dude, it 20 times. Odds are in my favour. I've one chance of killing myself out of six. I'm not taking your Well, own. maybe that's not the, the, the best <laughs> phrase to but use. I take, but I take your point. But, you know, if you were to do that 100 times, it is almost yes. almost certain that, that, that something is, you know, Especially you're going to get a new paint changes. job on the walls <laughs> is basically what, what's going to happen there. No. So so I, I think that is the lesson that, that we need to sort of reinforce here in terms of what, what's happening with this Bitcoin guy is that we can't look at one isolated bits of evidence as proof as to the success or savviness of a particular strategy. I think that's exactly right. If Whether he's right or whether he's wrong, this is pure speculation. There is no fundamental basis for valuation or analysis. Yep. Uh, and so realistically, it, it's if you want to speculate, that's fine. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, a bit of fun. But know, but know what you're doing yeah. and, and realize, by the don't, way, don't though, bet the house literally well, the whole, like this guy has. <laughs> the whole thing about a bit of fun, those people who say I'd go and put ten bucks on a horse on the on the first at Ramwick on the weekend, yeah. that's a bit of fun. Yeah. Those people who say I'll buy five thousand dollars worth of some speculative miner and have a bit of fun. I I, I it, it boggles the mind that people somehow think because it's shares, it's somehow legitimate. Yeah. And so I can fifty x my five hundred x my 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 fun money. Yeah. Madness. It's such a large yeah. amount of money. Anyway. And if he comes again with chicken too, so let's say he's right, and let's say over the next year it goes up another thirty percent. Mm. Well, You've got to sell to profit from it, right? So you <laughs> exactly. think, well, if I made thirty percent, maybe I could make. Maybe it goes up for the next few months, and it comes a point where, it, you know, it, it'll all come un, unstuck. Mm. And so you've not only got to time the entry, but you've got to get the timing of, of the exit exactly right, and, and just so much can go wrong. So indeed, indeed, don't do it, please. Real money advice from real people, not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, let's talk now. Uh, let, let me let me set a scene here. I want to talk about um, Mantra. They, yes. they, they are a listed uh, hotelier. They own the Break Free brand. They Peppers. own the Peppers Resort. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, own the Mantra brand. They own hotels and resorts all, all over the country. Indeed. Um, full disclosure, it is a company that you and I have both liked and yep. both recommended in the past. We have. And we're happy to say that because it's gone very well. And the reason it's gone very well is because they received a takeover from the European hotel giant Accor. Mm-hmm. So shares shot up massively. They did. Now, we don't really want to talk about that too much, but what we did want to talk about was the, some of the dynamics that are at play here and that you will see again and again. So let me set the scene. A cause come out and said, we want to pay $3.96 for every mantra share that is on issue. Yes. The share market was, uh, was much closer to three at the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously it jumped very high on, on that news. But here's the thing. The share market didn't go to $3.96. Now, now this week they confirmed that this takeover they 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 have the board has fully endorsed it. Yes, they have. Uh, uh, what's the word for it? They've signed a uh, commit. Jeez, oh, the legals have gone have gone from me. But basically, it's going to happen. We've got every intention for this to happen. We recommend you vote your shares, and it's yes. going to happen. So, a chorus said we want to do the deal. Mantra said, "Yep, we agree." In the absence of a better offer, we're, we're fantastic. Sweet. And then you look at the share. Now, shares are still trading, right? Yes. Now, shares are on the market at three dollars eighty-five. I want to say last time I sort of looked, maybe yeah. three dollars eighty-eight, something yeah, think, around yeah, that. Yeah, yep, yep. So there is there's this concept called arbitrage, which says, "Well, I know it's going to go through at three ninety-six, right?" So why don't I buy it on the market now at 388? Mm-hmm. I'll wait until the takeover comes through. I'll sell it at 396, almost guaranteed money for jam. Yeah. And, and yet <laughs> you issued a sell recommendation on the back of that. Riddle me that, Mr. Phillips. How does that make and sense? And here's the thing. So whenever you're talking about any sort of takeover, the word arbitrage comes up. Mm-hmm. And arbitrage in its purest form means free money. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think, well, hang on, I can buy the shares today for 388. Mm-hmm. I can sell them later to the takeover Bob for 396. Mm. 
not a lot, but it's free money. And if yeah. you've got a guaranteed eight cents, that's a two percent give or take. Yeah. So you take that, right? If it's literally guaranteed money, why yeah. would you say no? Yep. It's a couple of good answers. Okay. The first is that despite everyone's best efforts, there is nothing legally binding about the takeover. Could fall through. Now the shares are up about twenty five percent, give or take, mm-hmm. since the takeover was announced, mm-hmm. and you can be pretty sure you'll give almost all of that back should this thing fall over, because mm-hmm. there's no other at the moment, at least, counter bidder. Yep. So the market's firstly saying, well, we think it'll happen. Yep. But it should you, happen. But if you had this, if you played this game ten times, the chance that one or two of them fall over is pretty high. And it might not be through lack of uh, desire. It might Correct. just be the ACCC says well, we're not comfortable. Accrual round of money. There's a major financial crisis for now and then. And the then is important, Foreign Investment right? Review Board. Uh, you name it. Core gets into some financial strife of its own and can't go through with it. There's yep. a whole bunch of reasons why it might not go through. Right. But the so, then is important because the then is the 30th of June. Ah, wait so a sec. Where only, are we now? Well, we're only in October. Okay. So that's eight months. Right. So <laughs> wait a sec. Wait a sec. So you're saying that I can, you can guarantee... You can hear the wheels turning already. ...make 2%... The grinding noise. <laughs> over eight months. Yeah, not so good uh, anymore, right? <laughs> uh. So exactly, and that's the other thing. So if you think about the market on average going about 10% a year, mm. now there's no guarantee it will in the next eight months, but that would be an average of maybe, what, 7%, 6% yeah. over that period of time? Yeah. So automatically you're taking what might be a more certain 2%, not, not 100% certain, but yep. more certain potentially than the market necessarily going up. But the time value of that money is worth something that's probably not worth the difference. And so when you think about 388 now, mm-hmm. And taking away the risk of it not going through. Mm-hmm. The fact I've got to wait eight months for the money. Yep. And you start to think, that 2% all of a sudden doesn't look so it flash. doesn't look now, so Now, that's great. why, by the way, the shares are at 388. And they will mm. trickle up very slowly because some people will say, I'll happy to take that bet. Yeah. There's no, you wouldn't pay 396 now, so no one is. Yeah. The market already works out what a reasonable price is. Yeah. And this is the other thing with arbitrage. Just because you think it's a great idea, if everyone else in the market's already considered it and set a price for the shares, yeah. you want to be sure you're taking a contrarian view and you're right when it comes to this. Otherwise, the market's probably priced inappropriately. Yeah. Speaking of biases, superiority biases, right? You sort of, you, you sort of, you look at something like that and go, look how clever that is. What could possibly go wrong? And, you know, lo and behold, those kinds of things can go wrong all the time. So I can't believe there's other people think they're more superior than I am because I'm definitely more I superior. know. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Isn't it? Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Get on your high horse, Mr. Oh, Phillips. Oh, do I have to? Yes, you do. I'm, I'm kidding. Of course, I want to go on my horse. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Here, boy. Here, boy. That's a dog. Dude. All right. <laughs> it's a boy dog. It's a boy horse. So, I, oh, Here God. Here, boy. Here, Just boy. Go. You grew up on a farm, didn't you? Shut up. All right. So, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have seen another week of knuckleheads and morons out there in the press making stupid predictions. I think I probably ranted on this before. I'm guaranteed. Pretty certain. sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to do have. it again, just quietly. I think just over breakfast and oh, yeah. <laughs> last time I saw you, the time before that. I met on the podcast. Oh, yeah. okay, right. You're probably right there too. Here's the thing: we have so many smart people being so stupid by making these dumb predictions. I, I'm going to mention again, Professor Steve Keen, who I know you're a little bit partial to, Ram, but Professor Steve Keen for what ten years? Has been waiting for the house price crash. I think it's longer than that now. He sold his inner city Sydney apartment for $400,000, waiting for the price to fall so he could buy back in. Yeah. We've had people being negative on China since 2011. Mm. We've had people waiting for double-dip recessions since the GFC. Mm. We're now only... We're we're about a month away from the pre-GFC high point. Mm. Thereafter, it goes down. Actually, if you factor in dividends, we're already there. Right. So you think about about that, that story, right? This is the... 
And so we've got people making these bloody predictions. We had such a dust come out, who's a very smart, well-read, educated guy, yeah. who again, for the umpteenth time, is predicting market catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And they're still bloody wrong, and they don't stop. And of course they get the headlines. As I heard on the, the radio the other day, you, no, the headlines are never plane land safely. It's always <laughs> planes going to crash, right? And so you think about right. that. And it's not the head writers, the headline writer's fault. Mm. If I write the story of, don't worry, market's not going to do much, just, just go back to your daily work. No one clicks on that. Mm. Everyone clicks on the market going to crash, price is going to fall, housing bubble going to pop. And it's but just... hang on, hang on. People have said that before. You saved me from swearing. Thank you. And, I was and, about to. And, and been right or hit something. Um, <laughs> uh, people have said that before and been right. How and many pe- times? And people have said that before and actually had really cogent, sensible arguments. And, you know, frankly, isn't it, isn't it good that there are some people out there, you know, acting as the canary in the coal mine to sort of say, hey, everyone, we need to take a, a breath and a step back here. Maybe maybe things are getting a little crazy. So here's the problem. There's no discernible difference between the... the the, the sensible, thoughtful, smart argument that's right, mm. and the sensible, thoughtful, smart argument that's wrong. Mm. If you're going to take, or if you're going to try and cherry pick just the few that are right, I I I wrote the example the other day. If you if you if you're going to a doctor for a cancer diagnosis, you're not going to go to someone who got it right last time, or who has been right about half the time. You want to go to someone who's going to give you an expectation based on the evidence and say there is a very high probability I'm right, and here's why. Mm-hmm. The guy who picked the GFC, you mentioned him earlier in the in the podcast. Mm. He has no track record before that. Mm. The, such a dust who's come out now mm. was right back then, hasn't mm. been since. Mm. The next guy, by the way, who's right about the next catastrophe, whatever it is, will then have free drinks for the next decade until some other crisis comes up. Mm-hmm. Who's talking about the guy who predicted the 87 crisis, the Asian financial crisis, the mm. dot-com crash? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And they're right once. So imagine you got one thing right once. Yeah. You know, you, you tossed a coin, you called ahead. So, hey, Andrew's the great new ton- coin toss caller. Let's go on, you know, put him on the front page. Andrew Page says coin will come up I think you said tails. a great tosser there for a second, so... <laughs> You said Could it, mate, not me. <laughs> You're not going to see that. Right. So, you know, the thing is, these these arguments are... We've talked a lot about biases, right? Mm. One of the big biases we have is we feel the pain of loss three times greater than the joy of gain. It's yeah. just a... It's, just a yeah. it's a biological reality. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, market going to crash, we all go, oh, jeez, mm. I better do something. I better pay attention. I better do something about this. Loss of it seems smart. Yeah. It seems thoughtful. Pessimism always seems smarter, and yet they are continually wrong. Now, you ask the question, should we ignore it? No, of course we shouldn't. Mm. Take the information, take the rationale and consider it. Mm. But ignore the prediction part. That is a complete waste of time. Statistically, these guys are wrong so far more often than they're right. Mm. There is no other business on this earth where you would get a job with a prediction success accuracy rate they've got. You just wouldn't... You walk into a job say, I'd like a job, please. Yeah. I was right once. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. How about the other times? Oh, no, I was wrong then. Can but I, I was right can once. Can I just say, too, for the sake of balance, that that, that, that argument goes both ways. Because for every for every doomsayer out there, there's, there's you know, it's, it's never going to rain kind of guy who's, who is, you know, it's always going to be rainbows and lollipops and things are just going to be brilliant. And, that, and that, is equally, that is equally spurious, you know. And what we see it all the time, too... Um, I would, no, I'm going to challenge that. Well, I know, I know what you're going to say. How many people are I know what you're going to say. What was last time we saw a headline saying market analysts? No, no, no. no let, me, let, me, let, me, let me finish. So, oh, so you're, you're on the you're on good the, luck. You're on Sky Telling quite a bit, and I, I guarantee you, next time that Monday, you are 4 on there, Channel Six Hundred Two on Foxtel, tune in. tune in, record it, exactly. share it with your friends. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, at the screen. At the start of the year, you'll be on there. Yes. And uh, every presenter that you're on with will say, Scott, where is the market going to be at the end of the year? And you're a pretty optimistic guy. You'll probably give a higher figure. And you'll give one because maybe you feel as though you're compelled to. Actually, I'm looking at you now thinking, no, there's no way you're going to say that. I was going to say, I hope you're building a straw man for me here because you know full well, when I've been asked by Carson Scott, who who was a challenging interviewer at best, who says, where's the mic going to be? I say, mate, I've been doing this well and truly long enough to know 
that trying to give that prediction is completely nuts. My point is, is that any kind of specific near-term prediction... The point you're prediction trying to make that you're wrong about. Is, is any near-term specific <laughs> prediction, negative or positive, mm-hmm. is just as spurious. So what, what we need it. to do is, is, is get away from the specific in this game because you're never going to be able to forecast the future specifically. Generally, you'll be okay. And the more time you've got on your side, the more odds are in your favor. But whenever you see uh, prognostications of near-term disaster or near-term uh, uh, wonderful returns, they're equally spurious. So, so tread carefully. I'm going to leave you with some wisdom that I read on Twitter this week. <laughs> That's okay. Because, because I wrote Does that, that happen? Because oh, I wrote right. that wisdom. Okay, all right, of course. It is more profitable to be optimistic and occasionally wrong yep. than pessimistic and occasionally right. Oh, nice one. How good's that? Get, get that on a t-shirt. Put that on a coffee cup. Yeah, fantastic. Mate, we've gone again over time. You know what? Let's just say that we're going to do 40-minute podcasts <laughs> and then we are not going to ever be over time. Exactly. We've saved you time, listeners. Thank you very much for, for Thank you. Except then, then we'll time. go for an hour. Um, <laughs> remember, don't forget, you can subscribe to Triple M Motley Fool Money Podcast. And you should. Android uh, podcast app or iTunes, whatever you prefer. And please, if you would be so kind, give us a nice big fat rating. It helps spread the word and helps build our audience and spread that foolish message. And tell your friends, if you've just spent 25 minutes listening to us carry on like knuckleheads, there's a fair chance your mates will probably like it too. So tell them about it. Look up Triple M's Motley Fool Money on one of those podcast apps. Do yourself and do them a favor. Plus go to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M. Brilliant. Until next week. Fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.